It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we, we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. All right, so we are back with another episode of the CT Startup Podcast, uh, and uh, like we kind of mentioned in our um, kind of reboot podcast that Dave and I did, is that we were going to be coming back to some companies that were on the podcast before, uh, because as startups, as companies, we always evolve. Uh, 2020 has been one of those years where some people have pivoted, um, and we may be hearing a little bit about that. Uh, but um, you know, the ladies that we have on uh, today, they were originally on as Connect and Improv, uh, so. So, uh, you know, today we are introducing them as the Boulder Company. So today we have Ellen Feldman Ornato and Jenny Drescher. Thank you very much for uh, uh, being with us, ladies. Thanks for inviting us back, Eric and Dave. Yeah. I'm here too. Just yes, yes. Dave, Dave's here. Dave, Dave, Dave's in the background. He's going to be uh, be in chatting too. So it's kind of it's kind of funny is that like we're this is a podcast, but we're now on Zoom. So like we see each other, right? And uh, mm -hmm. you got to think about how you introduce it as both a podcast and maybe a video form uh, in that. But um, but so I, I guess uh, I'll uh, jump it off to uh, Ellen. Talk to us a little bit about the, the change from Connect and Improv to the Boulder Company. All right. Well, you know, when we started, uh, Jenny had her own business. I had my own business. We came together around bringing improvisational exercises and the tenets of improvisational theater into the way that we taught people. So 
uh, you know, at the very beginning of it, we said, what do we do? We help people connect with themselves, with the people around them. And we, and in improv, one of the most well-known statements is yes, and. So we made ourselves connect and improv. Um, and that served us when we were serving an individual market and we were mostly working with individuals who wanted to uplevel their presence and get better at spontaneity and flexibility and all of the things that improv offers. Um, when we started talking to a, a corporate client or organizations, as soon as they saw improv, they were thinking about whose line is it anyway, right? And since improvisational exercises and tenants is only one piece of how we teach, right? So we, we steal like an artist from every single um, type of facilitation and teaching method out there. It no longer served us for people to think that what we were was just, not just, but that what we were was an improv company because that's not what we do, right? It's a piece of what we do. It's the how we do it, not the what we do or certainly not the results that we produce. Um, so Jenny, if you, I'll toss it to you for the, like the process to evolve to the Boulder company. So what we did was um, probably a lot of folks, including you guys know uh, Brent and Dave from Fathom, our friends over in West Hartford. And we had a great conversation with them and did a little bit of work with them. And what they helped us to do was to dig a little further because at the time they were in, uh, they were still a marketing agency. And so we said, you know, here's our marketing challenge. You know, we're, we're marketing something that doesn't really align with what we're up for. So they helped us get clearer about what they were, what we were doing. And what we really came to was that um, as a, as an organization, we exist to help people become powerful. That's really what we do. That is at the heart of our work. It's, it's everything that we do points directly to that. Um, because there are a million and one commoditized learning and development companies out there and a million and one methodologies that we could use. But we didn't like the idea of being in the commoditized learning space. But we also didn't like the idea of being in the improv space because it was so much more than that and we're not a comedy company. But what we came to was, oh, in the middle is our purpose and our core reason for being, right? It's the Simon Sinek model of start with why. And so we had to get at our why in a really, really clear way. And so if once we knew that, we were able to activate a whole lot of other things over the last few years since then. And one of those things is that we always go back to that, that why, that burning why in design. We go into it with every single client. We go into every single conversation with a client and say, so tell us about where your people are not taking ownership. Tell us about where your people are not getting along. Where are they having conflict? Where is trust broken down? Where's communication failing? Because that's a way juicier conversation. You go into an organization and you ask, so what would be possible for you if more of the people inside your organization had some sense of agency and power in how they're working and, and operating and selling and building and creating together. And it's a completely different conversation than just swimming around in, well, we sell this, can we do the whole thing with, uh, you know, uh, yes, we can do assessments. And it's, uh, it's very, uh, bore me to death. Not that we don't love those tools because we do love those tools, but it's really about that we became bolder because what we realized was 
that we were helping other people to become bolder. So that's a long answer to the short question, but that's really what it was. No, that's that's uh, it, it's always good to to see how you evolve as a company and kind of evolve, um, not necessarily your why, but come back around to your why, right? Like that's what you're right. saying is that you like you're you're you you took the skills from improv and you took mm -hmm. kind of like the fun and, and kind of the the energy from improv, but again, that's not who you are. You're not a you're not a, this isn't funny business. This is real serious business, right? Um, and so it's good serious that you business, can kind you of have come, fun doing, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. And so it's good that to come back. Uh, with your why. So um, what is, so now what is the elevator pitch of the Boulder company? Um, <laughs> we don't do elevator pitches. No, no. That's so, okay. So, so like, again, how does, so it's so funny. Why? Wow. So why, why is that? Over. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm cutting it short. <laughs> you know, part of the, the, the juiciness of the way that we teach when we're putting people into exercises from the world of improv, you know, things like, you know, passing a word back and forth and having it change shape every time they pass it back and forth, it requires them to be more spontaneous. And believe it or not, the whole impetus for the reason that Jenny and I started even Connect and Improv was that we were going to a lot of networking events to build our own businesses. And when they did that, that really painful thing where they had everybody stand up and introduce themselves, even if it was 30 seconds, we were watching people die on their feet. You know, what is worse than having a great idea and being unable to express yourself about what lights you up about it? And then having somebody put you on the spot and you spit out something that somebody told you you should write and rehearse and you sound worse than the thing that you're passionate about. Like, I think elevator pitches just undermine people's ability to bring the passion forward. So what do we do? We help people connect with the most powerful version of themselves. But it's not an elevator pitch, right? What'd you say, you know, Dave? This is an entrepreneur podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's heresy. No elevator pitch. No elevator <laughs> pitch. <laughs> you know, nobody knows your business better than you. So it, turn it on its head. Be unexpected. You know, it's kind of like when somebody puts a PowerPoint presentation up, we know that brains power down by 20%. If somebody starts spitting out, a rehearsed elevator pitch at you, I immediately disengage. And I don't know if you do, maybe you lean in. That's just me. I'm like, oh my God. All right. So, so let me ask you, so what's your favorite color? Not that I don't want you to talk about your business, but I want to, I want the who you are, not the what you do. Right. And that was, that was a focus of our um, standout program that Eric went through, you know, kind of like, who are you? Let the you come through. And most people with the elevator pitches sound very formulaic and boring. So. And I, I want to yes and your, uh, your offer of heresy, Dave, because <laughs> I, uh, I think you're absolutely right that that is a heretical thing, right? And so to us being, that's part of why we became bolder was that we, we kind of tuned into, you know, the world needs more bolder. Like as a brand, of course, I will totally tout like, yes, the world needs more bolder, but also like, you know, we don't adapt to change by coloring inside the lines to be a little trite about it, right? Like heresy is how stuff gets done. So I love your choice of words there because it's, it's through heresy and breaking the confines and breaking the rules that we're actually able to respond in the moment and be able to say, you know what, this whole thing that's not working is not working. 
it's not, it's not working. Like we need to do better. We need to break out of what we, what we know and create new things. I mean, if 2020 taught us nothing, it should have taught us that. So to Jenny, you know, I got to admit, I, I feel kind of betrayed here because when I heard the name of your company, I thought it meant being more stoic and rock-like. You know, I was thinking a boulder. <laughs> That's right. These are people who keep everything in shape, in a line. And, and what I'm hearing is just astounding. I, 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 I can't accept this. And you know what? Like in some organizations, and this is a lot about your uh, organizational culture, coloring outside the lines looks different in every organization. Am I saying that you don't need to be able to say who you are and what you do in a in a conversation, in a networking conversation? No. I'm saying don't make your delivery sound like somebody just pushed play. Because you show up in a way that is uninviting and, and not particularly interesting. I'm more interested in who you are. I mean, there are a million people who make widgets. How do I choose the widget person I want to work with? It's because I want to work with them, not, you know, there's a lot, once again, there's a lot that's commoditized out there in training and development. You can choose anyone to do DISC for managers. Please choose us, by the way. So, um, so <laughs> you lose personality, Ellen. Both of you do. I, I've, I've always loved talking to you. Every minute I've, I've conversation I've shared with you is, is because your personality shines through and, and, and it's very enjoyable, but uh, but right. I do want to put you on the spot because I think Eric's Eric's question is a good one. As much as I joke about it, uh, I mean, it, fine. You you don't have a pre-rehearsed elevator pitch, but people do need to be able to explain themselves mm -hmm. fairly rapidly, right? Mm -hmm. They need to be able to sum up their company while letting their personality shine through. Correct. So since we're asking you to do this. I'm going to use a crazy word, improvisationally, mm -hmm. uh, extemporaneously. Mm -hmm. Go for it. <laughs> okay. So what, what do we do? We work with individuals, teams, and leadership groups to help them develop the best possibility for their organization through excellence in communication, through increasing the amount of adaptability and resilience in individuals and teams, right? and teaching them a way to be with each other that brings that all forward and makes everybody work at the highest level of their intelligence and ability. That's what we do. Very nice. Look Did you that. record that? I like that. I, yeah, I think that worked, <laughs> right? You know? Right. And but why is that, Eric? Do you see that thing over Jenny's shoulder? Yep. Because those are the four pillars of our organization. We work with Olga Fernandez and 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 it took us hours to come up with those are our pillars that we believe that if people do those four things that are over her shoulder, that they become that. that version of themselves that really contributes to, to an organization in their own development. Yep. And for so for people that don't see the video of this, what she's talking about is that uh, right over Jenny's shoulder, it says four keys. And it says, listen, speak up, build relationships and cultivate ownership. So I will say is that I did hear all four of those in your kind of talk about who you were, you know, how Connected and Prep started, how you transitioned to the Boulder company, right? Mm -hmm. So I did hear that, um, you know, uh, through through those conversations. And so um, I guess the the thing, like what I was also hearing when you were saying, don't do the elevator pitch uh, and don't, you know, you kind of sound rehearsed and so forth is that the elevator pitch sometimes doesn't get to the why of why you're doing this and why you are, you're setting down this path, which a lot of times within an ecosystem, 
I mean, we want to understand why you're doing this, because right. for all of us, we understand that this is a hard path to take uh, being a, uh, in small business, being an entrepreneur, uh, being a change maker with an organization is tough. And so you need to understand why are they're going through this and how is that why going to uh, uh, bring them over the the challenges, right? Yeah. So I, that's that's kind of what I was hearing when you were talking about not doing an elevator pitch uh, is is more because from the from the person receiving it is like that's what I want to know about why are you doing this? Not right. you know. So. And and you'll notice we didn't say don't take time to think about it, don't take time to write it and articulate it in a number of different ways, don't take time to practice what you're going to say. You still need to do all of those. But the elevator pitch thing that's typically taught is, you know, spend five minutes, write the three most powerful outcomes of your business, and then practice saying that, which is very different than an exploration into the business itself and the why of who you are, right? The more time you spend thinking about the why, but don't get stuck in there because that's a rabbit hole all in and of itself, right? But the, the better you get at just saying it extemporaneously. You can improvise because you know right? You're not making stuff up. You're making up words or a way to phrase it. Right. Yeah. When, when, uh, when you actually live it, breathe it, really believe it, it's easier to just talk about you. You're not, it's not a rehearsal. You're not remembering how you actually said the words yes. uh, and, and so forth. Um, Practice makes a difference. It does. So, so let's talk about, I know you obviously went through the change to the Boulder company. It did happen before 2020. So it happened in 2019 or was, is that correct? 2018? 2018. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, so, so you must've been on like right uh, in 2017. It's, it's been crazy five years doing this podcast so far. Um, but uh, so I guess I just kind of want to dig into a little bit about, so 2020, the year of change, year of everybody, you know, all the assumptions for business have kind of been thrown out the door. Uh, and so, so I'd love each of you to uh, kind of just talk about how has 2020 either change your perspective on business or um, kind of uh, solidified your perspective on business? Mm. Uh, well, it, it did two major things. One was it forced us to do something that we had been intending to do for a long time, which was the majority of the work we've done with clients has been in person because that's just been our model. Uh, and we've always said, oh, we should learn how to do some of what we want to do online. We'll get to that sometime. And then guess what? Ha <laughs> ha. Here's a forcing function to make you learn how to do stuff online. And that's what happened to everybody. So we learned how to map all of our content into a virtual environment, which was an interesting challenge um, because I, I mean, as anybody who's listening to this knows, Zoom meetings can be the most uh, terrible experience in the world when they're not well facilitated and they can be boring and you can just, you can end up with a, becoming a zombie with your eyes glazed over and sore, like don't make me look at the screen anymore. So we really had to figure out how to make all of our content work online. So we became really expert at all the bells and whistles of zoom and how to make it work from the perspective of helping people to help still have connective, high engagement, deep experiential learning that builds muscle memory, mm -hmm. because that's how behavior change happens is through the building of muscle memory. So we had to do that. And then I think the other thing that it helped us to do, oddly enough, is it helped us to sharpen who our clients really are. 
because we work a lot in the AEC, architecture, engineering, construction space, and we work a lot in manufacturing, um, in addition to our ongoing and never-ending love affair with startups, of course, like you guys have. And uh, But those as two markets, really what we discovered was that companies that are highly technical are a sweet spot for us because there's so much emphasis on technical know-how and technical skill in certain fields, engineering, for example, that the people side of skills gets left behind, what is sometimes referred to as soft skills, which is soft skills is heresy as far as I'm concerned. They are not soft. There is nothing soft about learning how to speak your truth to somebody when you don't have a great relationship with them. I'm, I don't know about you, but there's nothing soft in there for me. Like that is scary, brave work. So, so we say, no, 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 no soft. It's brave work. It's essential skills building work. It's, and, and so figuring out how to help engineers do that on Zoom, for example, that was one of our major pro projects this year. We had an engineering team from a manufacturer here in Connecticut. They said, uh, we have a problem with our team that they're not being assertive and they're being bullied by a team across the pond in Switzerland. And we're like, okay, that's an interesting challenge. We can help with that. Um, but getting them to learn how to speak up in this environment of Zoom, it was a double down on everything that we already knew how to do and we just had to expand it. Mm -hmm. But the results have been nothing short of phenomenal because now they actually have really hard conversations with each other. They were terrified to delegate to each other. And now they're, now they're saying things to each other like, hey, you know what? This timeline isn't working. Um, can we go back to the drawing board? Which sounds really obvious and simple, but they weren't doing it. Yeah. So how does that help your project management? And so you know, long, again, like long answer, but that's, what, that's the difference that, that some of this environment has changed for us is we would never would have gotten to do that kind of work if it weren't for, for this. And we wouldn't have that level of clarity about the fact that that's where we can really make a difference for individuals and organizations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what I was gonna add to, to Jenny's comment about our experience with that team is that the, the key challenges for the people who hired us were they were missing deadlines, they were over-promising and under-delivering, they were making assumptions about each other's capabilities before they would start into projects, and then they would see them derail and they didn't talk to each other. So, you know, the, the piece that we were able to bring to them, as Jenny described it, was to help them reduce the, the amount of time they were spending doing unproductive work, which was causing cost overruns, which was undermining their reputation with the team across the pond, right? So the better they got at, at articulating what they needed and being on time with things, the less they're experiencing their, that other team as always being on them, right? So it has, as the individuals grow their ability and their personal power, they have the ability then to have better outputs, which is what the company's paying us for, you know? Um, the other thing that 2020 allowed us to look at was cash flow, where we were conducting business. Like we know our numbers now in a way that I didn't anyway have a handle on before we went into this, right? It also helped us to figure out where's the money? Like how do we get access to capital? We'd never really tried to do that beyond using some rotating credit lines. So, so that was a whole different thing of figuring out how to apply for loans, 
reading loan application documents, sort of that whole piece of increasing the cash flow in, in addition to the clients we were cultivating. And then um, I would say the other thing that it taught us was to stay narrow and focused with who are our best clients and to be in communication with them far more frequently. Um, the, the way that we were able to launch our virtual learning programs was we comped a bunch of people who were already existing clients into those classes and said, tell us how it goes. Tell us what your experience is with this. And did this work for you? Did you? Right. And they came back and said, we're sending a team of eight next time. Right. And that's not tuning our own Wait, horns. They were like, so you mean we, we improvised, we improvised and ran experiments and then saw how it went. Yeah. Cause we, <laughs> we were like, let's just, and, and I'll be completely honest, Jenny, I remember this. Remember that first time that we did something, I think it was for university of Hartford entrepreneurial center. And we sort of crashed and burned a little bit. Like we weren't as, as normal and perfect and fluid as no, we're not perfect, but as fluid and as able to like feed Wait, off of each yourself. other. No. Yeah. Right. But, but normally when we're in a room together, we're taking physical cues from each other. We're finishing each other's sentences. There's a fluidity to facilitation online, in person that we had gotten to. And then we got thrown into this clunky, junky, things are freezing environment. And I hated it. I actually, like, I was in tears when I, I'm like, we stunk. Thank you for self-editing. Um, Right. I was so upset. And Jenny's like, we tried it and it didn't go a hundred percent. Let's look at the feedback. And the feedback was like, wow, that was great. It was the most engaging session I've ever had online. And I'm like, okay. So we had like, there are different metrics for how we determine success. And right. So we had to go through our own. Jenny's much better at failing by the way, than I am or failing, you know, air quotes. Failing. Wow. You know what? I see that about Eric, too. I know, right? So, so this is a problem, apparently, universally, that like, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at this. Yeah, go me. Well, it's yeah. true, though, right? I mean, it's kind of funny because, I mean, if I take the lens off of us and I look at all the different ways that other people we've worked with or friends or other startups, different people we know, the uh, I have to wonder how much of sort of the emotional baggage of 2020 for folks was coming from this sense of failure because it not because people don't necessarily have a lot of muscle memory for running experiments and failing with grace and falling down and picking yourself up. I mean, I like to, you know, I I'm a hockey fan. So when I fall down, I, I'm the thing in my head is always, you know, get up, skate it off, right? Get up and skate it off. And that's how that works. Um, if you're a hiker, you probably walk it off, right? There's a million little sports analogies that I won't use because I don't watch sports, but I do know that one and I like it because when I fall on the ice, that's what I have to do. When I fall down on Zoom or if facilitating or coaching or working directly with a client, that's what we do. I mean, that's part of what entrepreneurs learn how to do. And I think it was much harder for a lot of folks in quote unquote regular J-O-Bs to do that because it shattered their whole sense of security. And I think that that's part of the, that's part of what excites me about what's possible for us now going into 2021 is if we can help people feel more powerful, then the next time that they fall down and have to get up and skate it off, they're going to be more equipped for it. Like this engineering team is totally equipped for failure at a whole different level because they've built their courage. They've built their ability to co-create and collaborate. They listen to each other better, so they give each other better support when things get hard. That's what it's all about. And that's, I mean, more people need that. 
I know I could like spout about this from this passionate place forever. So, <laughs> Well, you know, and the thing that the other 2020 thing is that we've always had, we've always had each other. So when people were reporting such high levels of loneliness and isolation, I didn't experience that in the same way that other people did. And I could, like, I still need to, to hug and, and high five people and all of that. And we can open up a Zoom meeting in the morning with just the two of us on it and work side by side all day, right? Whereas a lot of people are just working at home, doing their jobs and occasionally talking to their managers and they feel completely isolated by that, right? Which was part of the impetus for spinning up the Be Boulder Jam, which is um, something that we do now every Wednesday at 1130, it's free. We decided, and I will give Jenny 100% of the credit for launching this because I was like, oh my God, do we have to do another thing? And she's like, yes, we need to get out into the world and give back. And I was like, all right, what the hell do we need to give back? And she's like, We're not, I'm not sure, but let's just do this thing, right? And, and the jam is like super popular. And we have people saying, I park everything else in my life to be here for this half hour because that's all it is. Because it's a half an hour of talking about how can we be resilient? What skills do we need? When do I find myself in my head? You know, and we people laugh, they connect, they close their eyes and breathe for two minutes. You know, it, it's just a chunk of how do you build adaptability? It's like one skill at a time. How do you build resilience? They're muscles that have to come to the gym to, to build because it's not a one-off. The, the adaptation skills are built over time. So wait a minute, I don't get six pack abs going to the gym once? I wish. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I so wish. So, so, so much for that January joining. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, that can, that can go away. That's, that's just, that's a lost 30 bucks right there is what that yeah. is. Um, <laughs> can you get so, me out of that contract though? <laughs> So what's so you talked a lot about the company. We, we talked about the evolution of the company, um, all about what's going on. What about you individually? What's been each of your greatest personal challenge at, over the past few years? Is trying when you're in the process of building this? Um, is it well? It's whatever it is for you. But what did you have to overcome? I had to overcome uh, this idea that my work wasn't valid, and I'm, I'll speak only for myself in this. Not in, not in Ellen, um, and, and not for Ellen, I should say. Um, I, uh, I've always sort of been that person who's pushing the boundaries of um, what's considered quote unquote normal and polite and within uh, acceptable norms. I tend to be somewhat unorthodox on occasion, like making, um, Making it, it has offered me a superpower in that I'm able to make the mundane more interesting. But of course, when you rattle those cages in the wrong places, you get pushback. And so, you know, I had to develop enough confidence in myself to say, no, cage rattling is what we need to be doing. Right. Because if you grow up as a cage rattler and a person who's maybe doing things in a different way or maybe in a way that is somewhat, um, you know, maybe even revolutionary on some level. I had, I've been accused of being that, that sometimes like, well, wait a minute, what you're doing is really different. Um, when you're stretched outside the lines, you question yourself. I questioned myself and said, well, wait a minute. 
I, maybe I'm just stupid. Maybe I'm just missing a note that as everybody else knows, and I don't. And I think that you probably, Eric, can relate to that because I think that some of the ways that you have looked at gardening and growing green things has been similar, where you're saying, wait a minute, this is a model that I don't like. So when you're inventing something new, it, it, it requires a tremendous amount of inner grit and willingness to say, no, this is, this is right. This is the thing I need to follow. I need to listen to myself, trust myself, listen to my muse. Um, and that's been a really significant growth trajectory for me for the last few years that has embedded a different level of confidence and security in me on, on many levels that I didn't even really know I needed. Well, I would say for me, Dave, it's been um, focus and commitment are the two things. Um, what you don't know about me is I'm a serial entrepreneur, right? I have a background in urban planning and economic development, and that's where I started my professional career, but I grew up in a retail family. Um, so I have always had an eye open for what's next, what can I do in addition to my full-time job? I always had a side hustle, always, always, always had a side hustle. Um, and then I started my own business in 1997 and went from client group to client group. It was more about who wanted me than what I wanted necessarily. And in this business, even in the first couple of years of the business, I was like, oh, look, there's another direct marketing business. Maybe this will be the one that will finally deliver what I need. So my focus and, and most of those, I will say, most of them have wound up making me a money because I worked hard at them. But every time I took my energy off of my primary business to do a side hustle, it was like draining the tub and expecting it to still stay warm. You know, is broken focus, I think, has is always an issue for me. Um, and so in this business, as we've gotten more and more focused on what do we deliver, who are our clients, which we got from a variety of different Sources, you know, the Construction Institute in Hartford has been enormous for us in terms of figuring out how to have access in there. And then there's another organization, the SMPS, which is the Society of Professional Marketing Services, who also serves the Construction Institute. Help us focus, like, who are the construction companies? Who are the engineering companies? Who are, and we love these people, right? My whole background is in engineering and working with engineers and stuff like that. So it's all come in full circle. But if I go, oh, we could work in hospitals. Yes, we can. And engineering, architecture, construction, manufacturing. Stay focused in those areas, work with women in manufacturing, work with entrepreneurial center, helping people grow their businesses. Women is also one of our channels. Like women in leadership is a place where we play really well because this whole notion of becoming a, a bolder version of yourself and being able to still be female in male environments, right? Still, you know, finding out ways to get your voice into the conversation, all of the things about up-leveling and amplifying our own voices are things that I needed to learn, right? The other thing about focus, 2020, the gift of 2020 for me is I have not had to go to any networking events outside of my house after 5 p.m., period, Right, like we could make ourselves freaking crazy running around to this event and that event because I need to be seen and I need to. 
And you know what? They were completely unproductive and exhausting. Eric's going, uh-huh, right? Because if I come home, I can even show you right now. I have a stack about this high over there of cards that I got probably a year ago. Have I taken any action on them? No. So why go? And I know that that's, that's heresy to people who put on these events as a way to earn money. But I don't know, maybe it's because we found our niche and those events are no longer productive for us. Like, I don't. I don't need to go to events with lots of other small entrepreneurs. I mean, and we still go, but it's about like, if I meet an entrepreneur, let's develop a relationship. And when we get to know each other better, this person might say, hey, I have a friend at Pfizer. I can introduce you there. It sounds like what you're doing is at their level, right? So it's more, I don't know. I think we're, we're becoming much more protective of our time and focusing more of our energy on the things that give us the best return on investment for our business, but also personally, right? Making time to go for walks and eat better and cook our own food and right, take hikes, those kinds of things that we don't need to squeeze them into the weekend if we're more focused in the work we do. No, that's great. It shows a, a real evolution and maturity of the business, mm -hmm. right? Time. And, and of yourselves and to do that, yeah. Yeah, no, and that's the that's the part of that's the whole thing about startups is that there's an it's an evolutionary process. And yes. if you can look if you look back three years and you're in the exact same spot, that's the failure. That's the failure of of a business or uh, or, or of a um, any type of startup kind of whether it's a business, a nonprofit, uh, a certain project. It there's an evolution to it, and you have to kind of get get better at it. I think focus like focus. Uh, across the board, across the, like everybody is refocusing uh, their efforts, uh, looking at the, like you mentioned, the the clients uh, that are bringing in the, the revenue, the clients that are actually fulfilling our mission, the clients that are, when we come into them, we actually make a difference, right? Yes. Um, and so I think, um, I think uh, focus, I know uh, for myself and, and Trifecta, we did not focus. Uh, we, we ran into the same problems. I mean, probably like, like you, uh, you probably read books at some point in your career that said you probably should focus on things or, you know, the different lessons learned in entrepreneurship. You didn't listen. You went out and you had to learn those mistakes for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. um, and actually go through it and feel it in your stomach. Um, and so, uh, you know, um, that that is something where uh, everybody this year ha has learned some sort of lesson and and that's a, that's a good thing. Um, now, uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, Zoom meetings and everything, 100% right, you are, you're like, you get to a point where you're, you've been on, I mean, we all have probably been on uh, days where we had maybe 10, 15 meetings, and you're like, hold on, I was just on Zoom for eight, eight hours. hours, what, Nine like, hours. are you serious? I, I think I've had more meetings this year than probably the last four years combined. Like it, it, it's incredible that you can have, you know, all this kind of stuff. So um, what are some of the things that uh, you have pulled out some of, of like being more present on Zoom and actually interacting with people on Zoom to, to make it more of that in-person kind of a feel? Oh, a couple of our little tricks. Is that what you're looking for? Are you looking for like pointers to help you be on Zoom a little bit better? Is that can uh, we just uh, ask a that little bit, directly? a little bit, a little bit? Yeah, just so, you know, how, how can how can a you be bit. a little bit more present on uh, on Zoom? You know, these it's days. Not for, it's not for us. So <laughs> it's not for you, no, because you're. You're clearly so present. I agree. You always are. I knew that when you were in person when we were when we were with you a couple of years ago. Right. Um, 
Yeah. So there are two two quick hit trips tricks that we can give you. One is a, to shut off all the other stuff because it's wicked distracting and it's going to go off every ten seconds and take you out of the conversation. It's no different than being in a room, right? At a networking event in a, cloud, a crowded room, it's the same thing. So shut off all the other stuff and just worry about the meeting that you're in. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's one thing. And then Ellen, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking, uh, you know, the opener is a, is another good one that we've used a lot. Yep. Yep. We have um, one of the things that we noticed right away because we experienced it ourselves is when we're going from zoom meeting to zoom meeting like people are just popping on and somebody starts the meeting. There might be a little bit of talk back and forth, but basically people are just like the cameras come on, everybody's there, or even worse, their cameras are off. So you think they're there, but you're not sure if they're there, which is like be there, right? So what we what we did is we started starting every meeting with something that we call arrive in the room, which is simply an invitation to people to sit back and close their eyes and take some deep breaths and notice the breath moving through their body and think about something that brings them joy and then bring that energy into the room with a smile. And now look around and like take a moment and just notice who's in the room, right? Humans, interacting with humans. Cause you know, in the old days we used to get in our car and drive to a meeting and walk in and put our stuff down and grab a cup of coffee and shoot the breeze for a little bit. Like when we came to Dave's meeting the last time to do this podcast, I remember those beautiful windows and the view of Hartford and you know the coffee that you got us. So we had time to catch up like that. Now people are like, boom, boom, boom. And it's just, it's very jarring, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing is, I don't know about you, but my eyes are played from being on Zoom all day. It takes a huge amount of Focus, unfocus, focus, unfocus when different people speak and heads are popping up all over the place. So simply closing your eyes and detaching from the screens gives like it gives you an ability to press the reset button. So that's something that we've incorporated into all of our meetings. That opening is uh, um, that is such a great tip because I know that for me, uh, the, the context switching of meeting to meeting, you're, in, you're, you're thinking about one problem, then you go to another meeting and you're thinking about another problem or yep. another type of project. And you're just, and your mind's kind of racing. You're still, you're almost like responding to something from the last meeting or you're trying yep. to like overlap it. And I have, I am, um, when you, <laughs> as you know, it was in my head when you were talking about that, I was like, oh man, I was definitely one of those people who are like, all right, let's just hop into this. Let's get it going. You know, like, okay, let's go. And, uh, and so it wasn't time to give people the, the moment. Um, once everybody, everybody who's supposed to be in the meeting, once you're on screen, all right, let's go. We're, we're getting into this. We're, we're going to get it. And it was almost, I, I think towards the end of the year, uh, I started getting to the point where like, if we don't need to be on here for the, fir- the full 30 minutes, let, let's just get it done in, in 10 minutes and be out of here. Right. Yep. Um, but again, that rush to, to get, to get it moving could be a little bit more detrimental than it is to, uh, than positive. So. And the, the other, th- the other thing you're giving yourself there, Eric, when you do that is you're actually creating context because our minds are getting mixed up from the loss of context. Right. So I don't know about you guys, but my parents are in their 70s. I'm not really getting around them in person all that much because I'm out in the world a little bit much. So while we're still in pandemic, I am not spending a lot of time with them, but I will Zoom with them. But I'm also Zooming with clients. 
and I'm Zooming with uh, doctors for a doctor appointment, and I'm Zooming with everybody's in one single context. So we're literally losing the, the context of our surroundings and our environment, right? Like when you walk into your home, you, knew you, were, you know you are in your home. When you walk into Dave's office in Hartford, you know, the, there's context. Your brain is informed by context. And when you lose that, it's part of what undermines true connectivity between people. And it literally makes your mind mix up. Like there's an interesting research coming out right now about the loss of context. Because everything is virtual. Well, the, and the other piece so, that I was going to add to that context, it, and this is something that we did with your tech stars, and I'm still seeing a surprising amount of it, even as long as we've all been on Zoom, which is like, look at your face in the frame and notice what's around you. I mean, Dave is clearly using one of the virtual backgrounds, which is fine when you're on, a, a, you know, whatever meeting. Sometimes they don't work so well, but being hyper aware of what's around you and behind you just long enough, even sometimes turn off your self view on your camera if you want, just so you're less like self-conscious about watching yourself. I wouldn't suggest that at first because one of the things that seeing, seeing yourself in the camera does is it keeps you honest about your facial expressions as other people are talking. It's also, um, it also keeps you honest in terms of being completely focused in the meeting. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny, <laughs> right? Because it's really easy if you turn off your camera to completely disengage from listening as soon as you look at another device, right? But there's also this piece about what's behind you, how's your lighting? This is the thing we did with Techstars because I have to tell you some of the teams that we've showed that we've been working with, some of them turn up looking like an unmade bed, literally on their unmade bed. They're rumpled, they're crumpled, they're slumping. You know, you can see the Red Sox poster behind them, nothing against the Red Sox. But like, it's it, if I'm trying to relate to you in a business context, right? If I'm trying to relate to you in a business context and I'm trying to get you to take me seriously, I shouldn't look like the teenager that you had a hard time getting out of bed last Saturday. Right? The, con the person has to match the context. I think we've all, yeah, I think we've all in the, in this year have had one, uh, been on one meeting that you did hear a, a toilet flush or you mm -hmm. did hear something else and you're just like, whoa, hold on. Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, I know, I know there was, you know, uh, I was uh, doing some work with uh, uh, some college students this year and there were students who, I mean, talk about rolling over into yep. a meeting, like yep. legitimately rolling mm -hmm. over and turning on their phone. And it's like, you didn't even get out of bed. Like you, yeah. you barely opened your eyes for this thing. Yeah. And so it is, it is one of those things Seriously? where we all, like we could all play bingo yep. and oh, see, there it happened. My Siri just went off and it just, it just took that whole thing. So I, I assume you didn't hear it, but, uh, um, but no, but that like, we could, we could play almost like zoom bingo, right. With all these different gaffes. And it's just like how, like, you know, in a week who, who get, who gets bingo first. Right. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a wicked fun game. Let's invent that game. <laughs> hey, hey, I, Hey, I What's believe that, you know, What's the in, in for the, that game? Yep. In these also, times, in these times, you know, you got to You got to create new businesses. And just like 2010, uh, you know, 2008, people started new businesses. That could be the one that takes it, off. <laughs> it could also be a, it could also be a drinking game. I would... It could be a good drinking <laughs> game. You're right. Absolutely. It could be a drinking game. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yep. There's one other thing um, is um, be willing to play with people and be playful with people on Zoom. Like vary your voice, vary your distance <laughs> from your camera. 
use your hands. You usually use them when you talk, right? We're also like, mm, right? Jenny and I have this habit of bringing like third parties into the room, you know, just to make people laugh. They'll come back from a break and, and something will happen that's just surprising to them. Like, like she might bring her donkey into the room or I might have a hand puppet in the room. And people are like, why the hell do you do that? Because you need to smile. We need to smile, right? We need to send the endorphins that happen from when we smile coursing through our bodies, which snaps us back to paying attention. You don't have to be radical and bring a, a puppet like the one I have into the room. That's for advanced students. Wait, that, talk about heresy. I know, fun. God Everybody should have a puppet. God forbid we have fun. I actually, I have a puppet. Yay. Nice. I can, yeah. I, next time we have our Zoom meeting, we'll all bring our puppets. There you go. And invite, if you invite yes. people ahead of time, like we even have this thing where we say, okay, pick up any random object on your desk. Here you go. What does this mean to you in terms of the world around us? Oh my God, there's so many different pieces in here. Every day I have the ability to pick up a different piece in my life and I have to narrow it down to just three pieces. Otherwise I'm going to make myself nuts, right? That takes two seconds and you get some insight into the person and how they're thinking or feeling that day. I mean, checking in with people is so important. As I said, we haven't been lonely. We both have significant others at home. We have friends that we're able to see when we go out hiking. Some people are fully isolated because of health reasons or they're in an unhealthy situation in their own homes. So we may be the only positive contact they have in a day. So why not laugh? You, you know what I love, Eric? What? I love products and services. And you know where you can buy some great services? Where? Where? From the Boulder Company. <laughs> oh. And I know they've just done an amazing job of, of telling us, you know, all about the presentations, the different events they can someone can participate in, the 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 Thursday open meeting, the uh, and Wednesday. Wednesday open meeting, Wednesday. get that right. Yeah. Okay. And now we're gonna we're gonna put up links to a bunch of new uh, public sessions. Isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tell so, us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we told you about the Be Boulder Jam that happens every Wednesday. That's at eleven thirty. <laughs> if you go to theboldercompany.com and click on events, it's right there. You register once. It's an evergreen link. You'll get reminded once a week that it's happening. And you are welcome to come as many times as you want. And it's free. Tell your friends. Um, and then we, the, our public series, we're running again because we've already run. This is our third time running it because the first time, the beta version, we made it a little better, a little tighter. Now we're launching it for the third time. Um, we're starting with five behaviors of cohesive teams, which is particularly necessary right now in the virtual world. Then we're shifting over to emotional intelligence. We call it the change challenge, which is how are we all navigating all this stuff that's changing and shifting every day through the lens of emotional intelligence. And then the last one is DISC for managers, um, which is actually using that DISC assessment. But we try and make it as interactive and challenging as we can in this virtual settings, lots of breakout rooms, lots of opportunity to talk with and play with the people at and these are all public classes. People could just register as a, as a single person or an entrepreneur. They can come in as a group and bring employees or parts of members of their team. So that's all just sort of out there. 
Those are all the things that are coming up. Very good. We will put those uh, links in there. And uh, I do want to I do want to highlight something that uh, I'm kind of circling back to what you're talking about with that manufacturing company. And Dave, I think you would you would agree with this is that uh, sometimes you want to be able to have the difficult conversations at the start of a project or start of a business instead oh. of like when when the problems kind of arise. Yes. And so that is something that um, I believe is is uh, beneficial for many companies out there. So if you are a manufacturing company, a construction company in the architectural services business, because that's where their focus is. We don't want to take them outside of their focus. If you're one of those businesses and you feel like your team needs uh, needs some help, kind of having those tough conversations and navigating those and uh, having your people be able to uh, stand up for themselves, uh, listen, speak up, build relationships and cultivate ownership. Well, the Boulder Company is uh, is for you. So uh, so please reach out to them. And uh, Ellen and Jenny, we uh, we do appreciate you uh, you coming on and we want to get you out, out of here so you so you can uh, be um, sell be some services. Your Boulder gym. Yep, exactly. <laughs> What'd you say, yes, Dave? Let's go sell some services. Let's go sell some. <laughs> I mean, you really need to up your game on the product side, but the services are excellent. <laughs> I I I think hand puppets. I think hand puppets might be the thing, right? I, I think know, that's so. it. Brandon. We need a Boulder puppet. Oh yes, Boulder puppet. It's you on. A mascot. That's what you need. That's right. right. We've now contributed something valuable to your business today. Jenny's thinking about you it. You so have. You so have. I totally me. am. I am absolutely thinking, yes. I'm going to be running prototypes by both of you now. Yeah. And hey, Dave Lennard, we'll just put in the plug here, made converting from an LLC to a an S corporation as painless as a legal process can be. So we really do owe you a debt of gratitude because yeah. we didn't know what to choose and what type of organization to be. And there are times when you really need to bring in the experts. And Dave has been that for us in that regard. So thanks, Dave. Yep. Boulder like a rock. Boulder like a rock. <laughs> Our mascot oh. would be a boulder. No, that would be so confusing. Oh, it really? Like yeah. It. Yeah. No, it, that, that will throw Dave for a loop. Yeah. Um, Great. Well, hey, uh, ladies, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we, we uh, hope uh, continued success for you in 2021. Thanks. Thank you. Same to you. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or some people know it, CI, an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.